We're in 2 Samuel chapter 15, 24 through 37. We'll try to finish this chapter. Uh, David, he's on the run. He's fleeing Jerusalem. David is not fighting to stay in power. David wants to avoid innocent bloodshed of his brethren. And so David's willing to, uh, to uh, surrender his throne, his kingship, over to his son, Absalom. And we will read in our passage how David is repenting as he goes, as he flees Jerusalem. And he's willing to accept God's judgment on his life. Sometimes I think we resist God's judgment, but his judgments are fair, full of mercy, and it's not a bad thing to fall into the, the grace side of God at all. And David, he has crossed the brook Kidron along with the Ark of the Covenant and the priest of Levi are with him. So let's pick up in verse uh, 24 of 2 Samuel 15. There was Zadok also, and all of the Levites with him, bearing the Ark of the Covenant of God, and they set down the Ark of God. And Abathar went up until all the people had finished crossing over from the city. Then the king said to Zadok, Carry the Ark of God back into the city. If I find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me back and show me both it and his dwelling place. But if he says thus, I have no delight in you, here I am, let him do to me as he sees fit. The king also said to Zadok the priest, Are you not a seer? Return to the city in peace, and your two sons with you, Ahimazaz, your son, and Jonathan, the son of Abathar. See, I will wait in the plains of the wilderness until the word comes from you to inform me. Therefore Zadok and Abathar carried the ark of God back to Jerusalem, and they remained there. So David went up by the ascent up the Mount of Olives, and he wept as he went up, and he had his head covered, and he went barefoot. And all the people who were with him covered their heads and went up, weeping as they went up. Then someone said, or told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. Now it happened when David had come to the top of the mountain where he worshipped God, there was Hushai, the archite, coming to meet him with his robe torn and dust on his head. And David said to him, If you go on with me, then you will become a burden to me. But if you return to the city and say to Absalom, I will be your servant, O king, as I was your father's servant previously, so I will now also be your servant. Then you may defeat the counsel of Ahithophel for me. And do you not have Zadok and Abathar the priests with you there? Therefore, it will be what, that whatever you hear from the king's house, you shall tell to Zadok and Abathar the priests, and they, 
they have there with them two sons, Ahimazaz, Zadok's son, and Jonathan, Abathar's son. And by them you shall send me everything you hear. So Hushai, David's friend, went into the city, and Absalom came into Jerusalem. We have here the priesthood and all the Levites, and they are very loyal to David. David, I've heard it said of him, is a man who would have been very happy and content to be a priest versus king. But he's a man who's on the run, and he's a man of repentance. David understood the importance of worship. And sometimes we can classify worship as just singing praise to God, and it certainly is, and I'm not trying to say it isn't, but prayer is also part of worship. Our singing and the study of God's word is part of worship. Worship is attributing to God his goodness and glory. That is what worship is. David, he's a man that is capable of expressing his relationship with God in song and in hymns. And he does it so well. David was known as the songwriter or the poet for Israel. And again, I make mention of this. I think David in his own personal life would have been content to just be a priest. The thing of being king was something that God bestowed upon him because God saw in David a man after his own heart. But David, when he writes the Psalms, he captures our heart. And he puts into words our emotions, our feelings. And if you go through the Psalms, you will notice the first verse of most of the Psalms that David wrote, they grab your heart right away. You don't have to wonder what he's going to talk about. Let me give you a few. I knew you would ask. Psalm 23.1, very familiar Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And you get the message of the whole psalm right there. 24.1. The earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. The world and those who dwell therein. Encompassing. Psalm 25.1. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. 26.1. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. I have also trusted in the Lord. I shall not slip. 27.1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? 28.1. To you I will cry, O Lord, my rock. Do not be silent to me, lest if you are silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. 31. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. 31.1. In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness. David could capture your heart 
in a word. And that was a gift from God. And I believe God developed that gift in David as he would be out in the wilderness with his sheep, one-on-one with the Lord. When no one was watching, when no one uh, gave him any sort of respect or anything else. We have people who, once they become a Christian, they feel there's no need to repent. There is one church when we lived up on the mountain, Brindley Mountain up there, and I got behind a car that had a bumper sticker on it. Good news. Having been saved, you have no longer a need to repent. Really? (laughs) I'm thinking, when I read this bumper sticker, I'm thinking, how do I get around him, slam on my brakes, and make him sin? But then, that's me who's sinning by tempting him. To simply miss the bullseye. Sin is an old English word. If you miss the bullseye, you sinned. To simply have a self-centered thought is a sin. Paul the Apostle said he did not know that coveting would be a sin, except the law told him that it was a sin. So I did want to pass that car. But then again, that would make me the sinner along with him. But we see that David, he has this beautiful ability to truly repent and to do it quickly. Let me give you one more verse one of a psalm. Psalm 32 verse one. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. When David sinned grievously with Bathsheba and the murder of Uriah, her husband, Nathan confronts David, and David repents, I have sinned against the Lord. And the very moment David says that, Nathan reassures him that God has put his sin aside. It was that quick for David. David could uh, just immediately humble himself greatly before the Lord. And for any of us to hear your sin is removed is good news. David had this humble opinion of his own sinful nature. What is a humble opinion? It is an honest evaluation of myself. I see my flaws. I see my sins. I can also see my gifts and see my abilities. That is being humble. I repent a lot which only tells you, evidently, I sin a lot. Now, if you're sitting there and thinking, well, 
I don't know if I can respect that man, our pastor, who says he sins a lot and repents a lot. Well, all I can say to you is you too. You also sin. (laughs) Each and every one of us are guilty of sin and thank God for repentance. I've heard it said, an indicator of your spirituality rests in how quickly you repent when the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin. How quick do you repent? I sometimes will go through a period of time, whether it be a few hours or even a few days sometimes, and I want to show God how I'm really sorry for, sorrowful for my sin, and so I'm going to have a longer devotion time in the morning. I'm going to read a few more chapters of his scriptures before I go to bed, and I try to work my way back into his graces. But if you repent right away, it's an indication you know God and you know his forgiveness. Once we humble ourselves and sincerely uh, receive forgiveness and repent, forgive yourself. We don't always forgive ourselves right away. I've heard people say, I can forgive, but I can't forget. Well, you didn't forgive. God doesn't remember our sins. He chooses not to remember our sins. So when you go to the Lord and it's a repeat type sin, and you say to him, well, Lord, I've done it again, and he'll say, what? (laughs) Because he doesn't remember your sins. What a beautiful attribute of our Lord. We are allowed to be guilt-free before our Lord. Because he forgives completely and he removes our sins. How far? East from the west. Aren't you glad he didn't say north from the south? Because north becomes south and south becomes north. You can go east and go east and go east and circle the globe time and time again. But you can't do that going north and south. So our sins are removed as far as the east is from the west. But walk in that forgiveness. Live in that guilt-free atmosphere that the Lord will give us. Do not carry that guilt. And sometimes it's just a matter matter of forgiving your own self. And that's not always so easy, but we're to do that. But David, after he repented, he will say, I walk before the Lord in the integrity of my heart. We must understand it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. David understood the forgiving power of God. Last week we looked at Atai, who was a loyal follower of David. And now we see Zadok of the priesthood, and he's loyal to David. But David 
he instructs the priests, take the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, and then notices, notice what David has to say. And if I find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me back to the ark. And the ark is a symbol of God's presence. David was willing to be chastised by God if that's what God had for him. Sometimes I want to avoid trials, tribulations, but it's in those trials and tribulations that we experience growth in the Lord. You don't grow on a mountaintop, you grow in the valley. And the ark, David fully realized a symbol of God's presence, and he says, hey, if God wants to bring me back to the ark, so be it. Verse 26 there, but if God has no delight in me, let God do to me what seems fit to him. David fully admits God is completely sovereign. But it's never a bad decision for us to surrender to grace. We can't escape the judgment of God, so why not welcome it in as God wants it to do what he intends it to do in our life? We're constantly being sanctified, and being sanctified just means God working in us and through us to bring about maturity. But David, in verse 27, he instructs the priest Zadok, and he says, Go gather information for me in Jerusalem, there with Absalom, and send word to me out in the wilderness by your sons. And David continues on his retreat towards the Mount of Olives. And he's got his head covered. He's barefoot. And his followers come with him and they are weeping. Gethsemane happens to be very near in the very area of the Mount of Olives. And we'll come back to that in a moment. David, he's received word that Ahithophel has joined up with Absalom in his conspiracy against David. Now, remember, Ahithophel once the wise, the premier counselor to David, happened to be the grandfather of Bathsheba. Ahithophel has revenge in his heart towards David. David has shamed his granddaughter in adultery. And David sends Hushai and the archite and to return to Absalom's court for the purpose of defeating Ahithophel's council. David understands that Ahithophel will give his son Absalom wise advice against himself. And David being aware of this, he has to use what we would call counterintelligence today. He's got to nullify the wisdom 
of Ahithophel's council. Along with the conspiracy that he will help Absalom against himself. So Hushai, he joins up with Absalom as David's secret agent. But let me draw your attention to David stopping in the middle of his retreat. He's fleeing from Absalom and he stops at the Mount of Olives. David takes time to stop and to worship God. He's not so time-oriented that he doesn't take time to worship God. What a, what a message there for us. You ever run late? Oversleep? Don't get into your devotions? Well, I'll pray on the way to work. <laughs> you know, we do that. And God is gracious to us. But David takes time. He stops right in the middle of his flight from Absalom. And of all the places he stops at, he stops there in Gethsemane, which happens to be on the ascent to the Mount of Olives. David's repentance has come full circle. David after this fleeing of Absalom, will never again repeat the lustful sins of adultery or murder. That's a thing of the past now. David, uh, his repentance required him to turn away from sin, and he turns completely away. And David finds absolution. He finds peace with God. He receives his forgiveness and he worships God there in Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives. David's repentance, it's sorrowful, it's sincere, and God graciously forgives David of his own term, his great sin. Centuries later, Gethsemane is where Jesus solidified his commitment of going to the cross. Jesus is going to go to the cross for the sins of the world. And Gethsemane happened to be a place of prayer for Jesus. Gethsemane is a garden type setting. Jesus would retreat there. This is not the first time. But he goes there and he becomes exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. So turn to Mark 14. It's good for us to read this, and we'll read about Gethsemane here. Mark 14, 32 through 43. Verse 32. Then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch. He went a little further and fell to the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. 
Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Then he came and found them sleeping. He said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed and spoke the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy and did not know what to answer him. And then he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And immediately while he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and scribes and the elders. We see there that Jesus is experiencing distress so severe that in Luke's account of this, that he sweats drops of blood. You have to be totally spent. You have to be so grief-stricken that your capillaries burst and you begin to sweat what looks like drops of blood. But Jesus is about to go to the cross. He sees the shame, the hurt the cross will bring, but he doesn't turn away from it. He doesn't turn away from being that sacrifice for all of mankind for all of our sins. And the agony of the cross is weighing heavily upon Jesus. And it's a little ironic that Gethsemane, the place of worship for David, is the same place of destiny for Jesus. Jesus will commit to the cross for our salvation he will be our sacrifice. And it's a concept the world doesn't understand that Jesus' sacrifice pays the penalty for our sins. And what do we as Christians do? We can't help but rejoice at the sacrifice Jesus is willing to make for us. And he won that battle, though, the night before in Gethsemane. Now, there's only one way we can truly show our thankfulness to our Lord, and that is to accept his great sacrifice for our sins. God the Father will raise Jesus from the grave just to give us the assurance of his power over sin and death. And today, if you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I strongly urge you to do so. It's that simple. Accept the one who was willing to die for your sins, willing to die for you to have peace with God the Father in himself. We will have someone in the prayer area back there if you would uh, like to pray.
to receive the Lord. Always want to give that invitation. But Jesus suffered that we can have life. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer.